Welcome to the Cleaning and Crime Podcast. My name is Elise, and if you're wondering about the name, (laughs) I love to listen to true crime while I clean. So because cleaning and true crime are my two loves, I've combined the two. And every week I post a new whole house cleaning motivation video on my YouTube channel, See Elise. And in the corner of the video, I'm in a little bubble telling you about a true crime case that's interesting to me. So cleaning and crime. But for some, the cleaning footage is too distracting. Or some people just prefer to listen to their true crime and not watch it. If you want to check out the video version of today's story, be sure to check out my YouTube channel and you'll find a playlist of all of my cleaning and crime episodes. But if you just came here for the crime and not the cleaning, you're in the right place. I'm uploading my older episodes of cleaning and crime in podcast form. And once all the old ones are up and I'm caught up, my upload schedule will be weekly, the same day the video version goes up on YouTube. Some of the earlier episodes do have slightly lower sound quality than the newer episodes, and that's just reflective of improving my skills as I went, but also, in the beginning, I only ever intended for these to be videos. So as the episodes progress, hopefully you'll notice the sound quality improving. Trigger warning, this is a true crime podcast. Some episodes may be disturbing to some listeners. Be sure to check the show notes for each episode for specific trigger warnings. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Oh, this week, oh man, we got a doozy. And there's no murder, only crime. There's a lot of crime. And what this story mostly consists of is freaking Shyamalan twists, which is my favorite thing ever. It's too crazy of a story. I'm not even gonna tell you anything about it. I'm just gonna jump right in. Today, I'm telling you about Angela Diaz versus Michelle Hadley. You are not ready for this. Just a quick trigger warning on this one. While there is no actual sexual assault, we are going to talk about it quite a bit. Angela Connell met Jason Rayburn in a bar. Immediately when they met, they hit it off. They had a ton in common. Angela was an attorney and Jason was a highway patrolman in California. So they kind of ran in the same circles, cop, attorney, you know. That first night they were up late talking, just remember, they could talk about any topic. The conversation was great and easy and Jason was like, oh my God, I think I have found the one. And they started dating immediately and things were going awesome until Angela was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Jason was super supportive from the beginning and he actually moved Angela in with him to his house so that she could have a better living situation while she was going through her chemo treatments. And he rearranged the whole house to make it easier for Angela to get around when she wasn't feeling well from her treatments, which was a challenge because Jason actually had a special needs son at home. So changing up the living situation wasn't ideal, but everyone was just trying to make it work. So Angela starts her chemo treatments and right away she noticed that her hair was starting to fall out and she didn't want to deal with the the trauma of like watching her hair fall out. And so she just shaved it right away. She's like, I don't want to go through that buzz it off. Now Jason worked a ton of hours as a highway patrolman and so Angela would go to her appointments by herself but she would text him pictures and updates on how things were going and he would send her really supportive text messages back and he supported her through her whole cancer journey. Angela ended up finishing her treatment and got a clean bill of health but her relationship with Jason did not survive so she ended up moving out and they parted ways. But after Angela got this new lease on life, she wasn't ready to give up on love. So she grew out that hair, she got a new look, she got right on the apps, life is too short, I'm not waiting around. And right away she got matched up with Ian Diaz, a US Marshal. Ian and Angela met up at a bar and they hit it off right away, fell in love instantly. They met in January 2016 and when I tell you they moved fast, they moved fast, they were married by February. That's quick. 
So Angela married Ian and she became Angela Diaz. And then right away in May, Angela was pregnant with twins. Getting it done. <laughs> Angela and Ian announced it to Ian's family. They had a cute little announcement with the pregnancy test and the sonogram, and it was just very adorable. Everyone was super excited. Everything was going great, but not for long. <laughs> Where are you? It's a true crime show. Of course, everything's gonna be terrible. Right after the happy baby announcement, Angela started getting some scary and threatening emails, and a lot of them were coming, and they were pretty fucked up. Like. She was getting threats against her life, against her baby's lives. There was a lot of religious language, like fire and brimstone type language. On May 29th, an email came in that said, I hope you're scared to death tomorrow. Be prepared, don't sleep. We will steal your child and we will watch as it dies. You are a piece of shit and I hope to God you burn for what you've done to us. The next day, you deserve nothing but a life of lonely torture. I have ways to hurt you. There is no place you'll be safe anymore. The next day, you might be beautiful, you might be the one that he married, but you are still a sinner and you must be punished. I will make sure that you're reminded of your place by force. Now there were a ton of emails, I'm not gonna read them all. One of them rambled on and on about the legend of Adam and Eve and how Adam had a wife before Eve, Lilith, and you may be his Eve, but I'm the one true Lilith. Like, it just went on and on and on. And I'm sorry, this is disturbing to say, but she started getting some emails that had attachments that were like photos of decapitated bodies, photos of women being beaten, women being groped by men in masks, women being strangled, aborted fetuses, like horrible shit. And also, don't do that. Don't click photo attachments in emails. Don't do that. <laughs> now all these emails were coming in from different email addresses, but they all contained a variation of the same name in the email address. Michelle Hadley. Who? What? Why? Michelle Hadley was Angela's husband, Ian's ex-fiance. So Angela is married to Ian, Angela and Ian Diaz. Ian had an ex-fiance, Michelle Hadley. Now apparently Michelle is sending threatening emails to Angela, the new wife. What the hell? So who is Michelle Hadley? What's her deal and why is she so pissed at Ian's wife? Three years before these emails started showing up, Michelle Hadley was recently divorced after her marriage to her high school sweetheart of four years fell apart. Sometimes that happens. You know, you get married right out of high school and then your life trajectory changes. It ended very amicably. Everything was okay. Michelle had a great job. She was working toward her MBA. She was very happy but she just wanted someone to share her life with. She wanted to look for a partner. So Michelle got on those apps and she started looking for her one true love on Hinge. I'm just kidding, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what site she used. And this is where Michelle would meet Ian Diaz, a US Marshal, and they hit it off right away. First date went like amazing, and Ian actually told Michelle that he loved her on the second date, and I'm like, Red flag. <laughs> he moves fast, this one. Michelle was obviously surprised when he said, I love you on the second date, but she chalked it up to the fact that he was a bit older than her and he was more experienced. Maybe he just knew what he was looking for, you know? As their relationship progressed, Michelle started getting a bit concerned with some of Ian's behaviors. He was starting to show signs that he was a bit controlling. He wanted to know where she was at all times. He was calling her all the time. He would get kind of mad if she would show up like five minutes late home from work. And then Ian forced Michelle, forced, to quit her job and take a $20,000 pay decrease to work at Disneyland. Ian had worked at Disneyland and it was his favorite place in the world because he was a super Disney adult. Red flag, number two. 
<laughs> come at me. Michelle ended up doing it. She quit her job. She took this marketing position with Disneyland and she was actually gonna be interacting at work with some of Ian's old coworkers and he was super excited. In hindsight, looking back though, Michelle feels that Ian probably had her do this so that his ex coworkers and friends could keep an eye on her during the day. Now in my eyes hearing this, I'm like, Fucking run, girl, run. Michelle, though, she was a self-proclaimed people pleaser. She was a bit shy, a bit mousy, a bit non-confrontational. She was just in a stage in her life that she hadn't found her voice and she hadn't found her independence. She just didn't feel like she could stand up for herself. A pretty good target for a control freak that wants a submissive woman in his life. Plus, fitting right into the usual formula, Ian was really good at those big romantic gestures and Ian went for another big romantic gesture when he took Michelle to Rockefeller Center on New Year's Eve and he proposed in front of the big tree and all the lights and it was so romantic and Michelle said yes. Michelle said at this point was when she realized she wasn't just in love with Ian, she was addicted to Ian. Ruh -roh. So as soon as Ian and Michelle got engaged, they started looking for a house to buy together. They wanted to get like a condo or a townhome type thing and they ended up finding a great two-story condo and they bought it. But Michelle put down the entire down payment. So she put down almost $15,000 on the condo and then they put the mortgage in both of their names and they were gonna split the mortgage payments. Let this be a cautionary tale to you youngsters out there. Don't fucking do that. <laughs> it might all be fine, it might work out, but what if it doesn't? Maybe rent something for one year first if you can afford it. Just test drive that car before you buy it, you know? Now also following the standard formula of abusers, after they moved in together, Ian's personality shifted. He became more abusive, more controlling. Ian began monitoring Michelle's phones, her computers, her socials. He called her constantly while she was out. Where are you? Who are you with? When are you coming back? He put a tracking device on her car. Then Ian started pressuring Michelle to basically change everything about herself. <laughs> he was like, you need to wear more crop tops. Never in my life has anyone ever asked me to wear more crop tops. Maybe that's just an Elise experience. <laughs> he told Michelle, I want you to pierce your belly button. I want you to get acrylic nails done at the salon. Apparently Ian wanted to date a 17 year old girl from 1999. Ian also started pressuring Michelle to have sex with strange men while Ian watched. Red flag. Ooh. Michelle immediately was like, Fuck no. But Ian kept asking, begging, badgering, non-stop. Finally, Michelle was like, listen, I'm never going to do that. If you ask me again, I'm gonna break up with you. But obviously that was an empty threat because Ian kept asking and Michelle did not break up with him. So then finally on Valentine's Day, Ian gave Michelle a bunch of over-the-counter cold pills and a bunch of shots of fireball and he broke her and he wore her down. I don't know if in her very vulnerable state, she was like, if I just do this this one time, maybe he will shut the hell up and leave me alone and I can just get it over with. I don't know, but somehow or another, she agreed to do this and Ian found some guy off of Craigslist to come over and have sex with Michelle and Ian videotaped it and watched from the next room. Happy fucking Valentine's Day. The next morning, obviously Michelle was sick with regret. She was disgusted, embarrassed. She went to him and she was like, I cannot believe that you made me do that. I am never ever doing that again. It was absolutely awful. I need you to destroy that tape that you made. And Ian said, no, nobody put a gun to your head. Real class act. 
Michelle tried to leave Ian several times, but she was frightened of him. And he was pretty good at gaslighting Michelle to make her feel like she was the crazy one and she was the reason for all of their problems in the relationship. Ian had become more toxic, more frightening, more paranoid. Once Michelle was packing her bags to leave Ian and he grabbed her and threw her on the bed and he held her down on the bed and screamed in her face. And she was struggling underneath him trying to get away and he just held her there for like 20 minutes just screaming in her face. Terrifying. <laughs> Finally she got the wake-up call that she needed and she managed to pack up her Volkswagen Jetta she packed up as much as she could fit and she left and went to her parents now that's when the real complications begin Michelle had put her entire nest egg into the down payment on this condo and the mortgage was in both of their names and they were splitting the mortgage payment 50-50 and Ian refused to pay the full mortgage payment he was only gonna pay half so Michelle was forced to keep paying half of the mortgage payment for a condo that she wasn't even living in anymore. Also, Michelle's broke as shit now, so she can't afford a lawyer to help her. She's living with her parents. She's still going to school. And she's dealing with this pain in the ass ex-fiance who's completely screwing her over and living in the condo that <laughs> she basically paid for. And all Michelle can do is fight with him. That's a pretty tough spot. So Michelle snapped. She broke. And Michelle started sending Ian some pretty cuckoo emails threatening him. On September 10th, 2015, she wrote, you're in your body, but your mind is somewhere else. Your sins are many, including defiling me and my family with your wicked and evil sexual acts. Your financial coercion and irresponsibility, your gluttony, your greed, your lust, your sloth, your wrath, your envy, and most of all, your pride. I will bring the full force of the law and the word of God against you to judge you. Your girl has snapped. But Michelle started seeing Ian's car outside of places she was going. And she saw his car outside of her university. And she was frightened for her safety. She reported Ian and his vehicle to the university. And the university actually barred him from campus. Finally, though, I guess Ian grew tired of torturing her. And he hired a property lawyer to help them solve the situation. And the agreement that they came to was that... Ian got to stay in the condo, and Ian had six months to start paying the mortgage payment in full. So Michelle would still have to pay half of the mortgage payment for six months. At that point, if Ian couldn't afford the payments, he would be forced to sell the condo, and he would have to split whatever amount he got for the condo with Michelle 50-50. Okay, whatever. Kinda sucks, but you know what? Whatever. It's done. It's over with. It's settled. Or so we thought. <laughs> Then, a mere three months later, Ian had totally moved on and married some girl named Angela. And then a few months after that, she's pregnant with twins and Ian's gonna raise his happy new little family in the condo that Michelle paid for? Fuck that! Or maybe Michelle was pissed because it looked like he was getting nice and settled in that comfy condo and he wasn't gonna sell it so she wasn't gonna get half the money. And that is when the threatening emails started pumping into Angela's inbox. So. As soon as you're getting photos of decapitated bodies and shit like that and threats on your life and threats on your unborn baby's lives, you go to the cops. Angela printed off everything she had in her inbox and she brought it to the police and she filed for a restraining order against Michelle Hadley. Angela was granted the restraining order against Michelle and when the cops brought all the paperwork for the restraining order over to Michelle, she looked it over and she told them that she didn't know who Angela was, that she didn't even know Ian had gotten married. And she looked over the list of email addresses and she was like, none of those are my email address. Like they have my name in it, but they're not mine. And the cops were like, whatever, we don't fucking believe you. Figure out your cat fight and leave her alone. And they left. Now Angela, hoping that the restraining order would solve all of the silliness and that the emails would stop, they didn't. The emails kept coming. And Angela started getting strange emails 
from strange men from Craigslist. And that is when Angela discovered that someone named Lilith Hadley on Craigslist had responded to an ad looking for women that were interested in fulfilling their rape fantasy scenarios. Oh no, this Lilith character had responded to the Craigslist ad with Angela's name, Angela's home address, and told the Craigslist ad poster to grab Angela and force her into her home and take her down. Then there was a new ad created on Craigslist from someone posing as Angela, asking men to help fulfill her rape fantasy. It provided Angela's name, home address, pictures of Angela, pictures of her dog, time frames of when Angela walks her dog, and it said that they wanted someone to grab her while she was walking her dog, force her into her house, and act out her rape fantasies. And it said to not be discouraged if Angela fought back or told them to stop. I've never heard anything more fucking horrifying than that. And remember, Angela's pregnant. This is some scary shit. Then on June 24th, 2016, Angela called 911 and reported that someone had just busted into her garage and attacked her and tried to rape her. Now Angela had managed to fend him off and when police got there, they found Angela crying. She had a ripped shirt. Her neck was all red like someone had tried to strangle her. And you could see marks and dents in the wall where someone had smashed Angela's head into the wall. Angela told police about the Craigslist ads and she believed that Michelle Hadley had made the posts and that was the reason for the attack. Quickly cops went to Michelle's house and arrested her. Michelle Hadley spent the night in jail and Angela received no strange emails that night. The next morning Michelle's parents posted the $10,000 bond and Michelle was released and the emails to Angela resumed. And someone kept posting ads as Angela on Craigslist. On July 13th, Angela called 911 again saying there was a strange man lurking outside of her condo. When cops got there, they found a 17-year-old boy, indeed, lurking outside of the condo and he flat out told the police that he was responding to a Craigslist ad. Kid, what are you doing? A 17-year-old boy responding to a rape fantasy ad on Craigslist? What are you doing? How much you wanna bet he'll be on a future episode of Cleaning and Crime? <laughs> Anyway, they sent that boy home and they went straight to Michelle's house and arrested her again. Police stated they believed this was a public safety issue and if they didn't arrest Michelle, Angela would eventually be raped and possibly killed. This time after Michelle was arrested, she was held with a bail of $1 million and Michelle's parents couldn't really afford this. So they gave Michelle an option. They were like, look, we can bail you out now or we can get you a good lawyer, but we can't afford to do both. So Michelle ended up choosing, get me a lawyer. So Michelle's parents paid for her to get a good lawyer and Michelle decided to stick it out in jail until they could figure something out to get her out. Michelle ended up spending the next three months in prison and she was there on sex charges. So she was like the bottom of the totem pole in jail. She was strip searched. She was confined to her cell for 23 hours out of the day. She was allegedly denied access to toiletries, feminine hygiene products, contact lenses. Michelle was eventually given a cellmate, an 85 year old black grandmother who was there under charges of child kidnapping. And they actually formed a bit of an alliance. Her cellmate told her, listen, you walk around here like a church mouse you're gonna get your ass kicked. And Michelle's cellmate helped get her through those three months. Michelle's parents were at home compiling as much evidence as they could on their own. And Michelle ended up spending 88 days in prison when suddenly an Orange County deputy district attorney showed up in front of Michelle's cell, stuck his hand through the bars, shook Michelle's hand and said, I'm sorry, you're free to go. 
What? Now at first Michelle had thought that maybe her new lawyer had come through for her or maybe her parents came into some money or maybe they found something to help, I don't know. But they didn't give her any explanation. They just slapped an ankle monitor on her ankle, told her she was free to go. Oh, but don't talk to anybody about this, especially the press. Okay, thanks, bye. What the fuck happened? Why was she released? Oh, because Ian Diaz, Michelle's ex-fiance, Angela Diaz's husband, walked into the police station on September 30th, 2016, and said, hey, so my wife Angela Diaz, I just left her. It seems that perhaps she was framing Michelle Hadley. Ooh, what? Ian dropped a ton of bombshells on the detectives that day. He told police that he was in the process of leaving Angela and trying to get their marriage annulled and that he believed Angela was a pathological liar and he believed Angela had written every single email that was sent to herself and all of the Craigslist ads that were setting herself up to be raped by strangers and that she used all of that to frame Michelle his ex-fiance. Also, apparently when Angela had very first gone to the police to report strange emails, she told them that the stress of these emails caused her to have a miscarriage in the spring. And Ian said, that wasn't true. She actually had an abortion then that I suggested she get because she didn't know the father of that baby. And also Ian told the police that this pregnancy with the twins, they don't exist. She lied. She was never pregnant. Apparently she had lied to Ian and said she was pregnant by showing him a doctored fake pregnancy test and a fake sonogram that she had purchased from Etsy for $7.50. I didn't know you could buy fake sonograms on Etsy for one. Also, two, who the hell's buying that shit? Holy shit. So the police are like, oh no. Maybe we should have investigated this at all instead of just taking Angela's word for it. We just arrested Michelle Hadley and threw her in jail for three months without investigating anything. Oopsie. So cops quickly go and release Michelle Hadley and they're like, sorry, don't tell anyone anything yet and they start digging into Angela. And when they dig into Angela's past, they find out that everything Ian said was true. And they found out that Angela was a bit of a con artist. They found out that Angela had faked and altered many checks. She'd altered doctor's notes. She'd lied about jobs, about degrees. Like, do you remember how Angela had the sweet ex-boyfriend, Jason, and she told him that she was an attorney? No, she's not an attorney. She doesn't even have a law degree. She's paralegal. Yeah, and also remember poor Jason? They went and found Jason and they talked to him and they were like, tell us about Angela. And he was like, oh, Angela? Yeah, she's a complete psycho. She faked cancer. <gasps> what? Yeah, I'm sorry. I totally left a little bit of the story out for dramatic effect. Angela, back when she was dating Jason, told him that she had been diagnosed with cervical cancer to get him to ask her to move in with him. But then as Angela was going through her chemo treatments, Jason started to get suspicious of Angela. Now remember she shaved her head like really early on in her treatments. Jason noticed that her hair began growing back like really rapidly. Like you can fucking tell the difference between someone with a shaved head versus someone who lost all their hair from chemotherapy. He also noticed that Angela didn't make the typical lifestyle choices 
that most cancer patients would normally make. And she didn't show any like normal symptoms that you would expect for someone going through treatments. Like she didn't get really tired, she didn't get really sick, she didn't lose weight. She started drinking heavily. She didn't change her diet at all. In fact, her diet got a little worse. She was eating a ton of really unhealthy, sugary and fatty foods. Not the typical lifestyle that you would expect from someone who's going through cancer treatments. So one day, Jason, he had to work a lot, remember? So he never went with to Angela's chemo appointments. So one day he called his friend who lived down the street and he was like, hey man, can you stake out the house and just make sure Angela leaves and goes to her treatment appointment because she's supposed to have chemo today. The friend's like, yeah, sure. And he called later that day and said, sorry man, she never left the house. But Angela had texted Jason that day a picture of her chemo appointment. So then immediately Jason starts Googling and he just Googles cervical cancer chemotherapy. The first fucking Google page that pops up, you get those Google images at the top. Those were the pictures that Angela had been texting him when she went to her treatment appointments. She just Googled chemotherapy and the first pictures that showed up, she just saved them and sent them to Jason. Like, I'm at chemo, oh my God, love you. Girl, you couldn't even go to page eight Come on, holy shit, what a psycho. Now Jason wasn't the only one that was suspicious. Angela's best friend Mary that she worked with at the law office had also noticed all of these behaviors. So one day after Angela had gone over to her house with a bottle of wine and proceeded to drink the entire thing herself, Mary decided the next day that she would call the hospital. And they were like, we don't have a record of Angela Connell at this hospital at all. Not even for a flu shot. Mary's like, oh. Fuck. So Mary went straight to Jason, Angela's boyfriend, and she's like, look, dude, <laughs> I'm sorry. Told him what she found out from the hospital. Everything that he suspected has been confirmed. She was lying, she didn't have cancer, she was fucking faking. Who fakes cancer? Mary, being an awesome friend, helped Jason pack up all of Angela's shit, and they staged a bit of an intervention. So when Angela comes home, they confronted her, and they're like, bitch, the jig is up. We know you don't have cancer. And Angela's like, yes I do. Do you want to see my paperwork? Hmm? Call my mom. Okay, your mom? Is your mom an oncologist, honey? Oh my God. So then Mary was like, okay, if you have cancer, show us your chemotherapy port, which if you don't know, is a port that's surgically implanted into your chest to receive chemotherapy drugs straight into a large vein. But Angela was like, no, ew, no, I'm not showing you that. And she refused to take off her jacket. So Jason said, get the fuck out. And Angela took her shit, she left, she grew her hair out, got on the apps, met Ian Diaz, and married him quickly. <gasps> she is a liar. Who the hell lies about cancer? And not only that, then who lies about miscarriages? Who lies about pregnancies? This girl is completely unhinged. And who buys fake sonograms off of Etsy? Etsy. I'm looking at you, I want an explanation. Who lets people sell fake sonograms on Etsy? Unhinged, unhinged behavior. So the police gather all this hot tea from Ian and from Jason, and they realize they probably fucked this up pretty bad. So they begin searching for the origin of all of the threatening emails, which they should have done on day one of the investigation. 
And they found that Angela had been using a VPN and she had created new email addresses from Michelle's original email address. And she used the new email addresses to send all of the emails that she got and to create all of the Craigslist ads. And police managed to get through the VPN because it's actually not that hard. And they tracked all of the IP addresses and they tracked those back to Angela and Ian's house, Angela's cell phone, and Angela's father's house in Arizona. Can you imagine just like going to visit your dad and like while you're hanging out, you're like sending pictures of decapitated bodies to yourself? <laughs> Police go to Michelle and Michelle's parents to explain to them that we finally tracked the IP addresses and it seems that the emails were coming from Angela herself. And Michelle's father told the police, yes, I know. As soon as Michelle was arrested, I downloaded a program on my own computer I tracked the IP addresses myself. I wrote them all down, collected them all, and I sent them to you months ago. But apparently you didn't read anything I sent you. You didn't read any of the emails I sent you. You didn't listen to any of my voicemails and you didn't return any of my calls. So my daughter sat in jail for three months because you didn't check your fucking email, detective. <gasps> Can you imagine? Her parents had done all the fucking investigating themselves. They had already done it. Oh my God. I am so frustrated right now. I'm so frustrated and this has nothing to do with me. So I can't imagine how they felt. On top of that, get this. Michelle told the investigators that before she even knew Angela existed, before she got the restraining orders, she was receiving email alerts from Google that made it look like someone was hacking into her email and making new email addresses under her name. And she said, oh no, it looks like someone's hacked my email. And she called the police to report it and they didn't call her back. So she called the FBI to report it and they didn't call her back. And she called the Department of Justice to report it and they didn't call her back. And then the next thing she knew, she was getting a restraining order from someone she'd never heard of because she was sending strange emails from strange, I can't even, she tried to call and report it before any of this happened and nobody gave a shit. And then after her first arrest, Michelle got an email from Craigslist that said, hey, just confirming, did you make this ad for gang rape fantasies? Let us know. And she was like, no, no I didn't. And she reported it to abuse at craigslist.org and reported the fake ad and asked them to remove it because she did not make it. And Craigslist didn't get back to her. Craigslist? What do you have to say for yourself? You are complicit. What say you? Poor Michelle did everything she was supposed to do. Everything she was supposed to do and she still got completely fucked. <sighs> oh, I'm heated. Oh, I'm heated. So now police are pretty confident. Yes, it's Angela, Angela's crazy, whatever. So then they go and look at the surveillance footage from outside of Angela and Ian's condo, which again, they should have done day one. And on the date and time that Angela said she was attacked by some stranger from Craigslist, the one that broke into her garage, there was no one there. There was no one outside at the time of the attack. And they also realized, oh, their garage isn't even actually attached to their condo. So with the information that was on Craigslist, some strange man wouldn't know which garage was theirs. So the attack was completely made up and all of Angela's injuries were either self-inflicted or Ian helped. If police had done any of this investigating on day one, none of this would have ever happened. A fucking fifth grader with Google could have solved this crime. Also, just for fun, when police searched Angela's computers, oh, they found a Word document and it was a pitch to the Lifetime Network 
for a movie about her life and her struggles with cyber stalking. And she even had some title ideas. A Darkness Within, the Angela Diaz story. And Daughters of God, the Angela Diaz story. Which were all lines taken from the emails that Michelle sent her. Girl, you did all of this to try and get a Lifetime movie? Despite all of this evidence, it would take months before Michelle was publicly exonerated. She was stuck at home with an ankle monitor while the press went wild talking about Michelle and Angela and their cat fight and their love triangle all over the papers. Two girls so emotional fighting over a man, John Doe. The whole world thinks she was a crazy guilty person when she was completely innocent and Ian's identity gets protected. It's completely bonkers. And she just was left screaming at home. There was no love triangle, you fucking idiots. So Michelle went full scorched earth on the police department and called them over and over and over. And she was like, if you do not get this ankle monitor off of my innocent ankle, I'm going to tell everyone in the press that will listen about every mistake that you made along the way that completely fucked my life. Like they told her, don't talk to the press, keep it quiet. They were silencing her, which in her words was the worst thing you could do to a victim. Finally, her yelling at them and threatening them was enough to get their ass in gear. Michelle was finally publicly exonerated and Angela was arrested. Angela was arrested and charged with 10 felonies and 22 misdemeanors, which is a lot. But of course, she pled guilty so that she could get a deal. And Angela was only given five years. Michelle, when she was sitting in jail, she was facing a life sentence. Now Michelle was finally innocent and publicly exonerated, but is that gonna make up for it? No, her life was in shambles. She lost her job. She's now in debt because she was sitting in jail for three months and she couldn't pay any, any of her bills. She's got all this interest, all these fines, but Michelle was not done fighting. What about Ian? Like, come on, do we really think that Angela was the mastermind of the plan? What was her motive? A Lifetime movie? <laughs> Angela and Michelle never ever met. They had no beef. So yeah, Angela was wacko and she was a pathological liar, but what's the motive? The only one who had a motive to fuck over Michelle's life was Ian. And Michelle was also pissed that Ian's identity was being protected through all of this because what? Because he's a US Marshal? So this is what Michelle believes. Michelle believes that Ian targeted her and used Angela as a way to get revenge over the condo. And if you look at the timeline, I buy it. I'm on board. Michelle and Ian finalized all of their arguing over the condo in the beginning of October of 2015. Ian married Angela in February 2016. She's pregnant in May 2016. And then in June 2016, Ian has to be a grown up and start making the mortgage payments in full by himself. The first emails rolled into Angela's inbox two weeks before Ian had to start making those payments in full. And if he couldn't afford it, he was gonna have to sell the condo and give Michelle half the money. But he wouldn't have to give her half the money if she was in jail. And guess what? After Ian was granted the annulment from Angela, he sold the condo for $500,000. And he didn't give any of the money to Michelle like he was supposed to. She didn't see a penny. So Michelle ended up filing a civil suit against Angela Ian and the Anaheim Police Department. Now Michelle, along with her lawyers, say in the suit that Ian and Angela planned the frame job together and that the police did a piss poor job investigating, which 
facts and they dropped the ball by not investigating further into Ian. In fact, after Ian turned in Angela to the police, Ian was never questioned again. And they didn't retrieve any of Ian's devices. They didn't take any of his computers to search. They didn't even get his cell phone. One police officer said that they asked Ian casually for his cell phone and he told them, oh, I gave it to my mom and she lives in Idaho. So they just dropped it. Meanwhile, poor Michelle had her computer, her tablet and her cell phone taken and she never got them back. Still, to this day, the cops still have them. The civil suit also claims that Ian's involvement was not investigated because of the blue wall of silence. Michelle believes Ian wasn't considered a suspect because of his status as a US Marshal. During the civil suit, it came out that when police showed up to Ian and Angela's house after the phony break-in, Ian had told officers that Michelle, quote, needs to be in fucking cuffs and in a padded room tonight. And he also continued to go and speak to officers, pressuring them to arrest Michelle, and he would ask, What's it gonna take? What's it gonna take to get her in cuffs tonight? Now Michelle ended up winning her civil suit just last year in 2021 and Ian was finally arrested in May 2021. And Ian was arrested on charges of cyber stalking, conspiracy to commit cyber stalking, and perjury. Five years late in my opinion, but... <laughs> but at least the civil suit worked in Michelle's favor and Ian was arrested. And at least now the public knows all of Anaheim Police Department's fuck ups in this case. It has not been released how much, if any, money Michelle got from the civil suit that's been kept private. And I couldn't find any information out there on Ian and Angela as of right now. I don't know if Ian is behind bars. I think we're probably still waiting for his trial. And I don't know when Angela's getting out. She got arrested in 2017 and sentenced to five years, so she should be getting out like 2022 or 2023. I couldn't find anything. Maybe I'm just bad at Googling, but I think it's just not all released at this point. It just kind of seems that all media coverage ceased to exist when the civil suit came to a close. My opinion on the whole thing, I think Ian was the mastermind. We know he was abusive. We know he was controlling. He used Craigslist to hire some dude to essentially sexually assault his fiance, Michelle. Remember that on Valentine's Day? He stalked her cell phone and her social media and her computer. I'm sure that he knew her email passwords. He was the one that got those religiously charged emails from Michelle when she was pissed off about the condo. Michelle did later say that those emails that she sent to Ian were in a moment of blackout rage over the whole condo situation. She's obviously embarrassed by them and regrets them, but sending those emails is not a reason <laughs> to ruin someone's life completely. So anyway, I think Ian is the mastermind and I think Angela was on board because she loves lying and she loves attention. And then she was like, oh my God, I could totally get like a lifetime movie out of all this. But I think when Ian realized, oh, Angela is lying to me too. Oh, I'm out. And then he turned in Angela to the police so that she would take the blame completely. And then he'd be free to go off and sell his condo and take all of his money and move on. It makes sense. In summation, I will end with happiness about Michelle. Michelle ended up moving to New York to live with her sister to get away from all the drama in California and just start over. She managed to get her dream job in marketing in the beauty industry. And I will link her website down below for her company so you can check it out if you're interested. After Michelle was exonerated, she actually had her parents help her pay for the legal fees for her 85-year-old cellmate from when she was in jail. Her cellmate was an 85-year-old elderly black woman 
then, she had not had her trial or been sentenced for those charges. She was merely being held on bail and she couldn't afford her bail, as is the case with so many other people that are stuck in the American prison system. And the entire experience that Michelle went through completely changed her view of the legal system and law enforcement. And it really opened up her eyes to her own middle-class white privilege. And Michelle believes that one of the only reasons why she was actually released and exonerated is because she was white. So nowadays she's using her experience, using what she went through to share her story and to start a conversation and to inspire change. So it sounds like Michelle is doing her best to move on with her life and she's turned over a new leaf and I sincerely hope the best for her. And it sucks that she went through that ridiculous nightmare, but I'm happy she came out on the other side. And that is the story of Angela Diaz, The Darkness Within, and Angela Diaz's story. That story is bonkers. Thank you for listening to Cleaning and Crime. If you'd like more content from me or you want to see the cleaning side of things, check me out on YouTube or TikTok or follow my socials, all of which are under the name C. Elise, S-E-E-E-L-I-S-E. If you have any questions or any case ideas that you'd like to share, email me at cealiseclean at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. These episodes include my personal opinions, and all information is compiled by me using references that are publicly available. Sources are included in the show notes. All parties described are innocent until proven guilty. See you next time.